Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Wednesday afternoon. Uh, I don't have a sponsor for the Haftar, but that's the one I have left. I'm just going to do it today. Maybe we'll get somebody for uh, Israel Day, but we'll see. Anyway, um, you have today the famous Haftar of almost the famous Prophet Amos, who is Mr. Social Criticism, always condemning the rich, screwing the poor over, which was common in those days. And the other terrible sins, Amos, of course, lives in um, the kingdom of the north, which is why we have an interesting Haftarah. Now, this is Halo Kibbeh Kushan. So usually it's Achramos or something like that. But this year, by the, the way the calendar worked out, that's what we're doing this week. And uh, and it's a short Haftarah also. And I'll tell you why I think they put it there. And it's Nogea. <coughs> In fact, if I wanted to give a sermon, it's Nogea, Yom Atzimut, and all the other kind of things, depending what kind of a country Israel is, our hold on the land. Uh, basically, as we, in Achramos it says, if you start having gay parades and things like that, then the land is going to vomit you out. That's the language of the Torah. So notice Hashem says, I'll take you out of Egypt. And he did. And he already told Moshe at the burning bush, I'll take him to a land flowing of milk and honey. But then, like a lawyer, later he dropped the other shoe. There they are, stuck in the desert. They're on their way to Eretz roll. But he said, oh, by the way, <laughs> I'm giving you the land flowing of milk and honey. I'm going to give you Israel. But it comes with a price tag. You better not do Kamaisi Eretz Mitzrayim Keretz Kanan, otherwise the land will vomit you out. So knows your your hold on the land of Israel is always going to be iffy. It's going to be iffy dependent. And that is talking how we understand Eretz Yisrael. The from way is Eretz Yisrael, the land of the Jews, but it's always on the tonight. If they step over certain bounds and cross certain red lines, as they say in modern times, then you lose Eretz Yisrael. Now, when I say lose Eretz Yisrael, you don't lose your rights to it, but you get kicked out of it. Now, almost was a prophet who lived just before this was about to happen. Almost was the prophet in the time of King Rum II. This is one of the later kings, the last stable king of the north. There were about 20 kings in the north. After he was in the dynasty of Yehu, Yehu, Yochaz, Yoash, and then... Um, and then Yeram the second. It's not Yeram the first. Yeram the second was the best of the north, but he was not good either. Certainly religiously. After him, the whole thing goes to hell in a handbasket. The guy after him is in six months, and the guy was in one month, and then ten years, and you know, all that stuff. So almost <clears throat> I'll use modern terminology. He's prophesying in the year nineteen thirty nine that bad stuff is about to happen. Again, that's what it is. Now, it looked good because Yeram II was a powerful king, but right after him, the whole thing started to crash and ended up with the land vomiting out the ten tribes of the north. This mom came to the Pasuk in the Chumash. If you do that did happen. They did it in such a way that they haven't been come back till day. We called the ten lost tribes. Okay? So, here's uh, Amos. 
And basically, the whole experiment of the kingdom of the north was a disaster. And he is saying now, he's speaking on behalf of God, I took you to the land of Israel, but you screwed it up. As far as I'm concerned, you're no different than the Kushim, meaning I don't treat you special because you're Jewish. Or the Kaftor, or uh, what's the other one, you know? Uh, I took the Jews out of Egypt to Israel, but guess what? I also took the Plishtim Mikaftor. I brought the Plishtim to the Gaza Strip from the island of Crete. But around Mekir, and I brought the Arameans there from Kir. So in other words, you ain't the only people that had a national saga. You got Israel. Yes, you did it. But I put in some conditions. If you don't keep the conditions, especially involving Gil Arias, if you don't keep that, then forget it. God's eyes is looking at this. He's talking about his own kingdom. The sinful kingdom, which is a heck of a statement. And guess what? It's about to go down the twos. So he is like a Jeremiah, Cassandra. And what he said actually came to happen. I'm going to destroy it. Hashemit is really wipe it out. Which happened to the kingdom of the north. Now, that doesn't mean, listen to this, I'm going to destroy the country. I'm not going to exterminate the Jews. So again, the Mamlocha, I'll destroy it. The Beis Yaakov, I won't destroy it. So notice, the Jews will lose Israel. But the Jews will survive in a Golistika format. It's interesting. And there's going to be justice in this, that in the Chorban and all the rest of it, the sinners will all perish. We're going to put everybody through a sifter, like a sieve. And you know what happens. Only the righteous will survive. They'll, they'll go through the sieve. And all the bad people will die. So basically, he's giving a gloom and doom. They could have fixed it. And even at the time of Amos, if they would repent. But you know, that's a, that's a frummy theology. You can always repent. And you can. And you can. But if your lifestyle is in such such way, it's not going to happen. It's like if I go to a typical non-from Jew today, in Baltimore, anywhere else, and say, you know, you can start keeping Shabbos tomorrow, which is, which is of course, true. It ain't going to happen. It, you know, it's just not going to happen. Okay? Now, um, therefore, These are the people who don't believe disaster will overtake us. So, in other words, they were convinced that the prophecies of Amos and the other guys are frummy dummy prophecies. They're predicting a doom that won't happen. And so, as I said before, once somebody's convinced that the evil is not going to happen, then they have no reason to uh, repent. You know, there's Chuva Meira, Chuva Meava. is a high madrega, ain't for everybody. But Chuva should be for everybody. If you say, the enemy's coming, this, that, and the other, the way to save yourself is to stop doing what you're doing, particularly in Gilarai's department, People can do it. But part of the problem is like God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. The Ramam says sometimes the hardening of the heart is the punishment itself. So for whatever reason, the hearts of the Jews of the ten lost tribes, of the ten tribes in the north of the kingdom, was hardened. If you prefer another metaphor, they had the foreskin of the heart, the Orlos Alev. Therefore, almost can scream himself blue in the face. is not going to help. Because lo sagish v'sakti ba'dinarot, 
the misfortune, it's not going to happen. If that's what you're convinced of, then forget. And so basically, all these guys are going to perish. All right? Now, here comes the interesting thing. Is he talking about only his own time or some other time? He's always talking about the future. Mashiach time, because what he's about to prophesy is not happening yet. He said, Which is an interesting metaphor. Harachim and Yachim is taken from this passage in the Bible. The kingdom of David is held up by him to be the ideal. I mean, it had its issues. But compared to what happened, anybody who studies Tanakh, you read Shmuel Alf and Beis, you say, all the intrigue and the, and the plotting. But then you get to Malachim Alf and Beis, you say, oh, Shmuel Beis is pretty good. <laughs> you know? At least he didn't have the Abedazar and all that. The king was pretty honest. You know, you know, David was honest because when the prophet Nathan confronted him and said there was a rich man and a poor man, he dropped, he didn't know he was talking about himself, he dropped the boom on the poor man, um, the rich man. Right? He says, Chaimisa, should pay Dalve, all this kind of stuff. Notice Dove was saying like this, I'm not allowing the rich to screw the poor when I'm king. So, that's the reverse of what happens in the time of Lachem Alam Lachem Beis, particularly in the kingdom of the north, where injustice, social injustice, the corruption of the judiciary, the utterly corrupt nature of the monarchy and the upper classes, the reduction of the Jews to slavery, you know, the unbridled capitalism, that sort of thing, was flourishing, and the prophets, Hoshea and Amos, always called attention to that. Evan Mikir Tizok, he said, you know, injustice cries out from the stones of the house. Wherever you go, you know, it's it's, it's just terrible. And so guess what? Uh, it ain't David ML. I'm going to destroy all this. We're going to go back to a time we get an honest kingdom. Uh, you know, Akimus Sukas Dovid Amel falls. So it's an interesting metaphor. If I take a house and I destroy it, the house is destroyed. The house can be rebuilt in a sense. It'll be a new house. Get what I'm saying? You know, the old stuff is knocked down. You build it with new material. I know in the Middle East sometimes they use the old stuff, but it's a new structure. A suko, on the other hand, is meant to be taken apart and put up. Right? Me, myself, and I. I have a sukkah I've been using for years. So have you. Okim is It's the old sukkah. The King David model is not destroyed. It's there to be restored if you want. And God says, when I get rid of all the wicked people, then I'll I'll, I'll put the sukkah back up. Okim. Not Evne. Right? Okim. Which means I'll set up the sukkah again. So the possibility of setting up the sukkah's David is always there. Like we say, the Avapish Yisrameya, in Kozach HaKiyam Yom Shabbat Yavah. It's possible the Mashiach come today. It's possible, or tomorrow. Just we all have to act right. We all have to repent. Well, I get the skepticism, but the model's there. You just take the sukkah, put it back up. There's a lot you can do if you're a darshaner with the concept of sukkah's double and fellas. I think I told you a story I spoke about in Venice, but I don't want to go into that now. Because this was a famous speech by Leona Modena. Anyhow, the and any part that's broken, you know, from the old soak up, it's easy to fix. Now, set the ruins up again, it'll be a permanent building. So basically, the bad guys have are not going to repent. Uh, uh, they should. In Judaism, we believe everybody should repent. It ain't going to happen. He's a prophet. And therefore, if that's true, 
we got to get rid of this bad element before we can have utopia. Okay? So first, and then, it's interesting. And then we'll be able for Eretz Yisrael to achieve its ultimate destiny, which is to take over the lands of the Middle East. By that I mean that was promised to Avram from the Nachal Mitzrayim to the Euphrates River. So that he can inherit, take over the land of Edom and all the other nations, which means the greater Israel. Now, this is a messianic prophecy. They're not telling the state of Israel today, go to war with the Arabs. Just leave us alone. That's all we want. We're talking about the messianic times. And, he, and, and when that happens, then you have the most famous biblical description of economic prosperity. It's very famous. Uh, which, to use modern terminology, is you invest in a stock, and in 10 minutes it doubles and triples. Like in 10 minutes. Right? The guy who's plowing the field, right? This is an image of miraculous prosperity, will encounter the reaper. So basically, you, you, you plant, you plow, and you plant. Uh, let's say seeds and I'm going up the row and of course then I go back and go back on the row by the time I turn to, to uh, someone in the field I go in this direction let's say for argument's sake it's 500 feet long now I'm just making it up so I go and plow 500 feet and then I turn my plow around and go back by the time I grow back it's all grown fully grown that's an, an ace it's like I said before the minute I invest in something uh, the stock doubled and the one who's, pla- who's, who's um, what do you call it, treading on the grapes, when crowned to the one who's bringing in the seeds. Same thing. You bring in the seeds to set up the thing, and it's already ready for the, the, the grapes are fully grown. So basically, you have an unbelievable prosperity. It's a little bit boozy, you know, it's a lot about drinking. Petifa Harmasis, it's an Irishman's dream. The mountains will drip with wine, which means the nose will be overcovered with the grapes. But it sounds better to say the hitifu, they'll drip a cease wine. Right? And all the high places, <laughs> it's just it's just a cute muscle, you know, will melt with fat. So what he means is there'll be, you know, all kind of crops and animals and all this kind of stuff. You know, now, uh, and then, uh, 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 it's hard to tell how this goes. Because does it mean the land will have prosperity? I mean, when you get to these prophecies, are they like linear? The Pusik A precedes Pusik B, and Pusik B precedes Pusik C? Maybe. Or it's, uh, it's quite possible, we don't know until it happens. But it's also possible that these are declarative general statements. You can see, and then he's going to describe how that's going to happen. In which case, Pusik A is not going to actually uh, chronologically precede Pusik B. It's just describing the background, and then you go into details. Because what's the point if the Jewish people aren't back in Eretz Yisrael for it to have this huge economic prosperity? The opposite. The best part of the years that Jews were away was Palestine generally became a wreck. That's a little bit overdone in Zionist propaganda, but nevertheless, there's a lot of truth to it also. I'll bring the Jews back. 
And they rebuilt the, the cities that are destroyed and they'll dwell in them. But not to crumb There you go again. What's this business with the wine all the time? Obviously, in the old days, most people didn't drink water. The main drink in the Middle East, I'm serious, I'm not being funny. The uh, main drink in the Middle East was wine. They didn't have soda and all this other stuff. So basically, the only good drink was wine. But wine required, you know, they mixed it with water like we know in the Gemara, you know, there's many other ways. They did it differently than we do nowadays. And uh, therefore, prosperity is associated in the prophetic mind with the wine. Now, if you want to be from on me, which is fine, then you say like this. Uh, then you ask the question and give a different answer. Question is, what are you preoccupied with the wine so much? The answer, my friend, goes, Yayin doesn't mean Yayin. Yayin means Torah. You know, and you go, and if you want to go even deeper, so no, then it means like this. The mountains will be dripping with Torah. You see? And not to crumb and be that's a very firm interpretation. I can give you a firmer interpretation. Yain is equal to sod. So everybody be a Kabbalist. Like the Rambam says, you know, Deus um, Hashem in a deep way, Hasogas Elokos. There's no question the Rambam will read it like that, you know. Shafti is from his body in the Shamas, but not to crumb Shasas Yainim. What, does he should get drunk? No. They'll understand, the Rambam would say, philosophically understand God. And the uh, the Kabbalists will say Kabbalistically understand God. We also got us to Achos Priam. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. Our parsha says that if you mess up Megillah Rice, the land will vomit you out. So that means by definition, whenever the Jews have been in Eretz Yisrael, the possibility of losing Eretz Yisrael has always been there. And whether we like it or not, that is the Jewish condition, as they say all the time in these cliches. If the French lose a war, they still stay in France. If the Italians lose a war, they still stay in Italy. When the Jews lose a war, they lose the country. They're kicked out of the country. That has been our history. When we were defeated by Ashur, the tribes were, were literally moved, transferred. You know, it's talking about transfer. When they lost Yehuda, everybody was kicked out of the country. This doesn't happen usually. Now, it happens sometimes. And in Yeshaya and other places, they actually talk about it happening in other nations. But generally speaking, it doesn't happen. If you defeat China, you obviously don't kick all the Chinese out. You know, even a small country. If they conquer Luxembourg, they didn't throw all the people out of Luxembourg. Like, in World War II, they conquered by Germany. You see? But the Jewish people, it's not like that. Because this is what gives validity, historical validity, to these prophecies that say, if you screw up under Gilarius, the land will vomit you out. Because we know this happened that way. So, that means that it's part Jewish condition... Always be worried. Tomorrow they're celebrating Israel Day or whatever, next day, whatever it is, a year, whatever it is. And yes, you have Medina Israel, no question about it. And that's a great thing. The Jews have a country, blah, blah, blah. It's all true. Everybody in Israel is always scared, but it always has been since the beginning. What will be tomorrow? What will be next year? Will Lynn be here? I saw on the, on the uh, online, you know, the, the newspaper articles. Uh, the president of Israel said, quoted some story, take care of this country, it's the only one we have. Words like that, that must be an Israeli phrase. And it speaks to the fragility, the existential fragility 
of the state of Israel. Right? That the Arabs, Chas could one day get their act together in Iran and the eight bombs and all this other junk. You know? They're always holding one this barely. That's been the nature of the Jewish experience in Israel in the 20th century, certainly. So we're there. Thank God for that. Always holding on barely. Higher bias I don't even have to speak about based on recent events. Holding on barely. And in the back of everybody's mind is like this. We could lose the whole thing. Chas v'chalil. You see? I'll tell you again. The, the Turks don't talk like that. The Greeks don't talk like that. The Bulgarians don't talk like that. The Ruskies don't talk like that. The Jews talk like that. Okay? And therefore, when they have an Achrimos and Kedoshim, if you mess up and all this, you lose the country. I mean, it's scary. Right? It's scary. Now, will it always be like this? So the prophet is saying, no, eventually, at the end of time, whenever it'll be, to finally come a time when the Jews will be as secure in their country as the French are in the French country and the English are in the English country. The Spanish and Spanish country. We are far from that at this point. But that's the, the goal. And it's sad that the Jewish condition is so fragile, but that's what it is. Therefore, the Navi has to say, there will be another Israel. What do you call it? The king of Yehuda, Medina Israel, Medina Samashiach, whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, Fortress Chabad, call it whatever you want. There will be things like this. Maybe we'll screw up and lose that one too. We lost the Bayes region. We lost the Bayes Shani. Maybe we'll get Bayes Shlisha and lose that one also. After all, are we so perfect? Can we be assured that we won't mess up? Like I said the other day, don't you have a gay parade? You know, and things like that. How do you know? How do you know? So the Navi here is saying the third time won't be like that. The third time the bad actors will be removed. Right? No, it's what's coming in the future. The bad actors will be removed. It'll be a messy process in which people are sifted. That's true. And that's, like, dangerous. That is all true. But uh, the end is a happy one in which they'll actually plant them in their land, which means they'll be firmly rooted uh, like a tree, not like a plant that, you know, can blow away. And I won't rip them out of the country again. This is pathetic. As pathos. It means that our experience with Israel is always this iffy business. And whatever you have could be undone. I'm promising you the third time won't be undone. This image of the Tatim al-Masam gripped the imagination of Chazal. And therefore, they put it into our liturgy. And that's when in Shabbos, by the Musaf, you always say, you know, how's it go? Tikanta Shabbos receives Gavanecha, blah, blah, blah. And then Havilo and Sion Riyacha or something like that. Besito ene begulenu. Plant us in, in Israel. When they say plant us in Israel, it means plant us deep roots so you can't be like a tree. A tree that's deep roots can survive a flood, a storm, uh, you know, a, a hurricane, and so on and so forth. The other was not good roots, gets ripped out. Here in Baltimore, I don't know why, the last couple of years, every time they had a big flood, I seen big trees that I thought were permanent. And they fell down on Menlo and other places. I know a few people tree just crashed into the roof. You understand? This won't be like that. Now Tatimala Masambaloy Natsu. 
So I can't even imagine. I'm, I'm part of a people that's living in Gauls for thousands of years. Even now you have Israel, you look at it from a Gauls perspective. What happens if we lose it? We can't even imagine what it is today to have a country in which we're totally secure. You get it? It's, it's, it's a pathetic uh, kind of, uh, of, of a prophecy. But it's very thought-provoking. It's very, very interesting. And that's why this is considered to be among one of the more, more interesting of all the Haftarists. Anyway, that's what you're looking at in Haftarists this week, as I said before. And with that, I wish everybody a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidovidkatz.com.